Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week, we're back to being 75% British, 25% Irish, but absolutely 100% Giants. Kez back from Vegas, and we're now only a week away from the draft. We're here to bring the latest news, and as promised, the top five at each position on defence. How's it going, lads? Yeah, not bad. It doesn't really feel like the draft's a week away, to be honest. I feel like it's really... Like, last year, it was all I had to look forward to. But, like, this year, it's kind of, like, slipped under the radar to an extent, really. Why have you got a new girlfriend you haven't told us about? No, I think I just I'd get to the gym every day. <laughs> get up, gym, work, get to bed. But no, I know exactly what you mean. This feels like it's... At one point, it felt like it was so far away, and now it's sort of like it's upon us. It doesn't feel real. Does that make sense? Yeah. But um, the excitement's starting to kick in for me, to be honest. Yeah, it does feel weird, though, because there was so much hype about it last year. I thought there doesn't seem to be as much hype about it this year, even though we've got two higher picks in the first round. We got two picks in the first round, first off. The fact we got five and seven, and the fact we got a new GM and, and head coach that kind of seem to know what they're doing when it comes to drafting. I don't know why there's not so much hype this year. It just feels like it's a bit flatter, you know. Uh, maybe because everyone was just waiting to laugh at Dave Getman and see what he did. But uh, who knows? <laughs> I don't know if it's just me, but I am sick of seeing mock drafts on Twitter now. Like, every time I'm on Twitter, there's a new mock draft. I'm like, right, another one. I'm, I'm sick and tired of seeing mock drafts that I like, because that usually means that that, that won't happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, every time you open up Twitter, every time you open up any sort of form of social media where you follow NFL analysts or NFL reporters, there's another mock draft somewhere. Even on bloody Instagram, you're getting like pictures of mock drafts and you're like, why? Don't need this many, surely. But I mean, yeah, it's great that so many people have an opinion. But yeah, when you see it, when you see a mock draft, you're like, you go, oh, yeah, I like that one. And then you see another one, you go, oh, yeah, I like that one. I like that one better. So yeah, it's... It's mad. Craig, how you doing, mate? Yeah, all good, all good. You boys have obviously been on Twitter, probably not as much as I have, so I'm kind of brain-dead to the whole situation now. If it's not a mock draft, then it's a, a debate at who we're taking at 5-7. and seven. Yeah, true. That's another thing that everyone's talking about, isn't it? And uh, the, the potential of a trade back as well, no doubt, is uh, is out there. So, Just just quickly on the draft, I think I said this before as well. Like, I used to fall in love with a player. I used to be like, you know, this guy... Is obviously the best. I've watched him. I've read up on him. I've got people's opinions on him. So and so says he's the best, and you know, and it comes to our pick, and he's there, and I get all excited, nearly wet myself, and then we pick someone else, and then I'd be so upset and so angry and chucking beers around and stuff. Whereas now I'm kind of like, you know what? We have so many needs to be honest, so this helps a bit. But try. I'm trying to think of myself. Right, let's pick a group of players, like a cluster, if you like. You know, who who fits us? Who's the type of player that we like and stuff like that? So, so that way, you know, I'm not all pitting all my eggs into one basket, if you know what I mean. Yeah, man, I get you. Like, yeah, there's been there's been drafts in the past where as well. Like, I thought, oh yeah, it'd be really cool to get him in, and then he's gone to another team, and then we've then decided to pick someone else or whatever. And it's like, who the hell is this guy? I don't know. Who, I don't know who this guy is. Like, he's just some random that's come out that I. Never even heard of, but yeah, I'll get you, man. It's uh, I think it, like it, I think maybe 20, 2012, no, twenty thirteen when we picked Justin Pugh. I think it was in the first round. I thought, who the hell is this guy? Like no, no one's been talking about this guy. No one has been talking about other people. I was like, well, that's my night ruined. I'm off to bed. I'm, I'm looking forward to next week, though. Don't get me wrong. Do you think it's been interesting this year because of the fact that there's no standout number one, and that there's been no standout number one, and it's actually a deeper draft. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that, you know, over a few years, you know who's been at one, two or three, you kind of have a really, really good feel. This year it's not. And before, when you're picking the 20s or whatever, you just have to wait and see. Where now it's like, we're picking a five and seven. And in theory, you should have a good idea who you're going to get at five. But I, it literally could go any way. I have no idea what four players are going to be picked in front of us. I think for me as well, it's, um, excuse me, not just that you don't know who's number one overall, but the fact that there's no real number one QB, because the QBs are usually the ones that are off the board within the first two or three picks. Whereas, like, you know, I mean, you look at mine and Kev's ratings, Kenny Pickett for most people is the consensus number one, but we've got Malik Willis. So, you know, I love the fact that I don't even know when the first QB is going to be taken. It could be at Carolina at six, maybe Atlanta, but then where do you look? Berg potentially or New Orleans. So you don't even know when the QB is going to go. It's going to be nice for everyone else apart from quarterbacks, isn't it, really? We all know sort of who's really sort of looking at top 10. You know, you can kind of... Pre- well, not, you're not going to be able to predict it exactly, but you kind of have an idea. Obviously, like we said last week, everyone seems to be going Hutchinson at one to the Jags, and I'd be very surprised if he doesn't. I think after that, it's, it's anyone's game, and you don't you don't you you can't really predict which order they're going to go in. And like I said, like we, we've said the last couple of weeks as well, those first four picks are really going to be key to who we take at five. It's going to be a... 
an intriguing first round, that's for sure. We're also going to finish off later as well, open up the mailbag once again, so stay tuned for that coming. Uh, but we are going to start off this week rounding up this week's news with the team beginning their voluntary mini camp this week. And surprise, surprise, Kadarius Tony isn't there. We've talked about him before when he's not showing up for workouts and other team activities. Whilst this mini camp we know all know is voluntary, the vast majority of the squad have turned up. So yet again, it begs the question: Why is he not there? Obviously, the team are talking it down a bit, saying, you know, it's voluntary and you don't have to be there, blah, 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 blah. But if it carries on, is it going to start becoming an issue? Is it going to start becoming a concern? He just pissed me off now. Like, as far as I'm concerned, I said last week, he's got to, I want him over a thousand yards or over 10 touchdowns this season. Anything less than that. And for me, I've not got much time for the guy. Like, I know we're going to come on to, spoiler alert, a few different quotes and that. But I do like the one in regards to what Leo Williams said about the physical work, something that you can get in your own time, which the camaraderie with the players and the coaching staff. So, you know, it's not even a case of, I want Tony to turn up to put work in or not. Just get to know the new coaches. You ain't being funny. You've got a whole new coaching staff here. You want to show them what you can do. Put suggestions to them. Say, look in Florida, I'd agree with this. I think we'd all agree Coach Dable seems the kind of coach that will take it on board. Okay, let's give it a go. See, see where it's something we can work with, or maybe even adapt it. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Tony, he's just pissed me off, and that's all I want to say about him. Yeah, and the fact that Leo Williams said that he wasn't, he was thinking about not going, and he and then decided he was going to. Just, it just makes you wonder why he's just not bothering, really, because that's that's what it seems like. It seems like he's got big priorities and to sort of get that, like you said, that camaraderie with his teammates. I mean, yes, obviously, he's going to have known most of them from last year, but there's there's new guys in the building already that weren't on the team last year, so get to know them. Start getting that team mentality, like the coach keeps talking about. It's a team-first mentality, and, well, it, clearly for Tony, it's not. It's the him-first mentality. The team comes second at the moment. Kev, what do you think about it? I don't know. I just think that he should be there. And I don't know why he's not there. No one said a reason why he's not there. I try and think of it like this. Like, if you've been cracking on some bridie on Tinder or whatever, or on the messaging, and you've been putting in all your good work, you've been messaging back and forward for ages, you know, giving it all the spiel, giving it the lines and stuff like that. And she finally says, yes, right, we're going on a date, we're going on a date. And you turn up in, like, flip-flops and, like, jean shorts and a raggedy old t-shirt like you know you're not making an effort i mean how long are you gonna last but i mean like is that where i'm going wrong kev <laughs> i think it is me yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe i can pick out your wardrobe for you <laughs> maybe we can give shane some dating advice <laughs> but yeah it's like you know you want to put your best foot forward to show the the the, the organization that you're serious about football and you guys have made great points about you know if a coach was saying to me Kev what type of plays do you want like you know I played a little bit of tight end like for Wembley Stadiums and stuff like that and linebacker and fullback but I've I've got I, I love a deep out I absolutely love a deep out so I'd be like right put this play in put, you know just get all those plays with the deep outs in I want them played in you know so I could go out and catch the ball constantly I, yeah, I just don't understand why he's not there I don't think anything is bigger than football unless it's something massive do you know what I mean I mean Glowinski's his wife's giving birth this week so you know you can understand that I mean some of the other ones there Blake Martinez is rehabbing from injury you know understandable James Bradbury's contract situation fair enough you know he probably won't be a giant going forward so why come and do workouts where you might get injured and Graham Gano um, well he's a kicker <laughs> how much does he really need to be, be at these workouts we spoke about it last week and the same again now it's just frustrating why why not there what what reason like the whole whole of last year it was like what reason is he not attending camp? What reason is he not doing this? What, and it sort of dragged throughout the season. Why is he not playing? What's she wrong with him? Has he got COVID? Is he not? Like, what's going on? And it, it's just, there's just so many unanswered questions. And it just, yeah, it's just frustrating as hell. But, you know, it's, it like we said, it is voluntary. The team's playing it down and, and not sort of paying too much attention to it. But when, you know, everyone that's being interviewed this week in the press conferences is being asked about it, you know, they've said about it. They said, like, what did Kenny Golley say about it? everyone should be at minicamp and he says he'll reach out to Tony but he hasn't spoken to him in a while he's saying everyone should be there so why why are they not there go figure but yeah talking about the uh, the press conferences from this week obviously um, the start of OTAs start of minicamp and then obviously in the lead up to the draft as well so it's sort of a busy time for the team Joe Shane said that he's spoken to Bradbury's representatives and uh, he's talked to James Bradbury himself too he's had calls but there's also contingency plans and that he's actually a New York Giant moving forward quoted as saying he likes the kid and he likes his skill set it's just the situation we're in from a financial point and that he's, uh, that he's received calls on both picks at 5 and 7 but it's kind of too early to, to decide what to do 
and as the draft sort of gets closer they're going to they're sort of staying in contact with people that have been in contact with them already um, but they haven't received any hard offers yet and um, rather teams just find trying to find out if the Giants are willing to move you know he said he's fine at five and seven and it wouldn't make sense to do anything unless it was really like really really worth it unless it blew the doors off so it kind of makes you think that we are going to stick at five and seven but you never know none of us saw Dave Getman trading back last year and it happened so uh, it's all down to the night really Shane what do you think of what Joe Shane said overall I don't really know in all honesty because I don't know whether to take it as he's is it a smokescreen or is he is there a little bit of genuine like maybe there's been a little bit of tour you know when you say to your mates you get the weekend yeah and then that's all you hear you know the weekend comes and nothing happens so you know is it a case if he's had a word with someone and said would you be interested in trading up yeah be interested and then is that going to be the end of it or is it just a smoke screen and he's trying to make teams think you know oh if someone's trading up who they're trading up for and is it going to be a quarterback and you know Joel Shane could easily say to Pittsburgh yeah, we've spoke to New Orleans and they, they're looking at trading up for a, a quarterback and it's Malik Willis. Belief is that Steelers have got a massive crush on Malik Willis. So, you know, the week out from the draft, you start to get a lot of mind games. That's very true, Kev. Uh, yeah, just about the um, pick five and seven. I'm guessing people have just called because he might have seven players that he's, he wants, absolutely wants. So if you're another team, you need to make that call to say, look, are you set in five and seven? And he might go, yes. Don't call me again. I know all seven players I want. And after that is a massive drop off. So there's no point in me going anywhere. But what people will find out is, is will he trade back? And obviously he would. So he obviously likes a lot more players. Or um, So obviously, you know, that initial conversation needs to be had. And as for the perfectly fine at five to seven, it wouldn't make sense to do anything unless it blew the doors off. I think that quote is a little bit misleading. Is that, that quote is the, is the quote out in the public. He was, he was said that in response to, would you trade them now? Not on draft night. So that about being, you'd only accept the trade if it blew the doors off was in a question to, would you trade them now today? Yeah, true. Yeah, I suppose obviously like if it, if it comes down to draft night, then it might be a little bit different. But yeah, I get what you're saying with that. And yeah, Shane, yeah, it, it could be smoke screens. It really could be. They're not going to show the hand because why would they? You know, it's not like last year where we knew exactly where Trevor Lawrence was going come, you know, draft night. It was a guarantee. There are no guarantees with this year's draft. And I think that's what's making it sort of exciting as well is the fact that there are no guarantees that any player is going at any number. You know, there is no guarantee that Aiden Hutchins is going at one. So it could be a, it could be a smoke screen. It could not be. But we'll, we'll sort of wait and see, I suppose. Coach Dayball was said about Wink Martindale, the fact that he wears the same thing every day. <laughs> which was quite funny I thought and um, but he says that he's a good teacher he respects him you know it's, it's quite nice to hear that about his uh, his new DC and he said that you know the fact that there's new offence new defence he said they're throwing a lot of the players right now as well um, some of it will stick some of it won't just a case of I'm guessing like just that repetition of drilling it into him drilling it into him and eventually it will stick with him he had a lot of good things to say about Saquon Barkley as well so he's been good in meetings he looks fast he looks elusive and he made some really good plays in a seven on seven drills and he's not decided doesn't seem to have decided whether he's going to be calling plays this year on the offense or if it's going to be um, the OC Kafka calling plays this year and he said we're not there yet so that just a wait and see with that but Kev what do you think about what coach Dable said Obviously, like Saquon said uh, about him being great in meetings and he looks fast and loose and stuff like that and he made plays. Like, that's everything we're hearing. All the beat players are saying that as well. They're saying he looks different this year. Um, he looks fit, healthy, which is great news for us. So, you know, I'm really hoping that, you know, we'll, we will see the the Saquon that, that we want and we, we deserve, if you, if you will. Yeah, like exactly. Like, we, we do deserve it. A lot of the reports coming out saying that Saquon is looking good. I'm, I'm liking that. I'm really liking that. And I'm hoping that he's back to his back to his best, you know, because the, the Barkley we've seen over the last couple of years, obviously with his injuries. And I think when it's when he's, he's come back last year, he, he looked a bit scared. He looked a bit tentative. He didn't want to, he wasn't cutting as well. He wasn't, he didn't look 100%. And I think maybe he rushed back a little bit from his ACL, but we'll see with Barkley. But yeah, I, I like the fact that everyone's saying he's looking good. Shane, what do you think about what coach? Dable said. Yeah, I, mean, I think like in regards to him calling plays, I think it's going to be a bit, a bit of a 50-50 thing. I think, you know, Kafka's going to be calling maybe some of the, the early down plays, so to speak, and if we're not chasing a game kind of thing, and if we if we get this amazing thing, um, I think it's called a lead in games. <laughs> Um, I think Kafka might be. Um, yeah, we haven't had that for a while, have we, really? No, nah, it's just, a, I've Googled it. That's all I know about it. I've never seen it before. Now, nah, but like, you know, if we've got a comfortable lead, I know that's really pushing the boat out there. I'd expect Kafka to maybe do it, but maybe if we're chasing a game or it's a little bit tight, maybe they will give a little bit of guidance. Sorry, just, just to stop you, what is a comfortable lead? 
don't know what this thing is. Well, I, don't know. I mean, you're asking a bunch of Giants fans, an Albion fan, Man U fan. Do any of us have a comfortable ladies these days? Yeah, none of us do. Just to quickly touch on that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Dave wants Kafka to call plays. I think that's what you want. You, as an as a head coach, you want your OC to call a plays. But it is Dave's offense that Kafka will come in and add to. He'll add plays to it, but essentially overall his. So maybe as we progress, he might take it back, depending on, he'll want Kafka to run them, but depends on how that works out, he might take it back. I'm hoping he doesn't. I'm hoping Kafka sort of takes the, the play book runs with it and calls the right plays the right situations so uh, Dable can take an overview of the game yeah I mean it, it, and I think as well it's a case of I don't mean this in, in an offensive way or anything but Kafka's never been an OC before and maybe when he's when he's shown he can be trusted then it'll be the case of you know coach Dable will just take his foot off the accelerator so to speak and only get involved when he thinks he really needs to which is some of previous head coaches haven't done when they need to and then done it when they're going, I thought, you know what I mean. I suppose it, yeah, kind of the fact that he's never he's never been an OC before. It's almost like you know, I'll call the plays, you know, for the say for instance, like during camp, right? So we've got the playbook. I'll I'll start off calling the plays, and then when we're in a certain situation, I'll turn to you and see what you think, and then you you call that play in, and then just to see what his thought process is, how he how he does it, and whether it's successful or not or anything. It's just kind of like a you know, giving drip feeding him a little bit, like. Give him a few plays. Give, give him a few plays to call. Give him a few plays to call, and then that building that trust up in him to the, get to the point where you know he's calling every single offensive play. Because I, realistically, like an offensive coordinator should be calling the offensive plays. There's no reason. I, I, I kind of find it a bit a bit annoying, really, when when head coaches call the plays because it's like, well, they clearly don't trust their OC. So why are they got that person is in as their OC? So you know, but yeah, obviously with Kafka being sort of a rookie when it comes to being an OC, I kind of understand why it is up in the air and why that decision hasn't been made yet. But I'm sure come the season, you know, we'll know who is calling the plays on offense. And I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of if they split it between them to start off with, just to sort of allow him to bed himself in a bit and then and, and gain that experience in calling plays in games. And then moving forward throughout the season, I'm sure if he does well, I'm sure Coach Dave will put more trust in him and, and allow him to call even more of the plays than he did at the start. But yeah, we'll see with that. We'll see. Players during the press conferences as well. Kenny Golliday spoke and said, well, the reason he was at, he was at camp is that it meant so much to him, especially coming off of last season. He's trying to start off on a good note and. That, like I said before, everyone should be at minicamp, putting in a lot of plays, a lot of plays that can trick a defence, a lot of guys moving around, and that Coach Dable's brought a lot of energy and there's a lot going on. And so he feels like t- the team kind of feel together a bit more in so little time, which is quite nice. Is it just me that thinks it's weird he's not spoke to Tony in a while? Like you're not talking about a wide receiver who's not spoke to a defensive tackle. You're talking about a wide receiver who's not spoken to a fellow wide receiver. Like They should have group chats. They should be sending... Let's face it, offensive things to each other, taking the piss out of each other, jokes, banter. It should be like a brotherhood. Yeah, that's what it, it, it's like. Say it's not like it's not even like it's a wide receiver who might not spot to it offensive line. It's people that you're in a room with on a daily basis. And to me, like I mean, I hope no one from work's listening to this, but some people, like people at work, constantly text me, and sometimes I'm like, "Oh, just give me a break." And I'm not even a, a, a footballer that's like, like them lot, like. I think mean, it's really weird. He's not spoke to Tony. So, like, I kind of wonder, is Tony maybe a little bit shy, conservative, doesn't strike me as that type of person, or is he disinterested, not bothered in getting to know people, which... It's a major concern, if that's the case. And the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Or not turning up at voluntary. Yeah. And he was, like I said, he was, the fact that he was absent a lot last year as well kind of makes you wonder, really, doesn't it? Yeah, it, sh- it should be like that sort of brotherhood. They should be, like, I mean, think back to, I know... It was a a bit of a uh, a touchy subject at the time, but the uh, the boat pick. Yes, I know. Since that since that picture was taken, obviously we we've not had much success. But you could clearly see that camaraderie was there. They were brothers in arms, I suppose. They were all in it together. Exactly. You know, if one of you was there, you're all going down. Yep. That's it. That's hundred percent. But is it, I thought. Yeah. To be fair, I thought it was a bit strange that you hadn't spoken to him for a while as well. But he he might have just sort of just switched off and just gone done his own thing and then when football's back properly then he'll be back I don't know but I mean you look at us we're, we're talking daily in our group chats we don't work together so we don't see this as work definitely not and we don't live close to each other and I've met Dan once and I've never met Craig yet and I've never met Kev yet yet we talk on a daily basis that's what I expect my wide receiver look if I was coach Dable I would say if you ain't got a group chat you better get one created for each of the positional groups yeah fair point fair point Kev what do you think about Kenny G I love the fact that he's here. I love the fact that he came to the Bondry camp. He says it means so much to him. Like, you know, 
he had a bad season last year. We didn't get the Kennedy Aldi that we paid a 72 million four-year contract to. Now, that wasn't, that, a lot of that wasn't his fault. So I'm, you know, he knows he's coming here because he wants to learn a new place. He wants to put his stamp on the new playbook. He wants to come in and talk to Babel and Kafka and sort of like make sure that, that they know they, he can be trusted as a wide receiver. He's got a lot to live up to. You know, he's he was paid that contract because of how good a receiver he is. And he's come in now into voluntary camp to put in the work to show that again. And I love that about him. He's leading by example, which wide receiver one should be. Yeah, being paid $70 million over four years, you should be leading by example because you're clearly the number one receiver on the team. That's what you need to do. I mean, I know he had his fault, but Odell Beckham, he led by example. You know, he, he put the work in at, at OTAs, at camp. You know, you see him, he put the effort in. Receivers before that as well. So it just makes you wonder. It just makes you wonder why. It's good to see him excited about the new playbook as well. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's nice that they like what Coach Day was doing. And like you said, they've had so little time together, but already what they see, what they've seen, people staying longer, and they feel like they they feel like they're more together than they were before. So it's, that's quite a nice that's quite a nice thing. Just to sidetrack, there was the rumours that Joe Sheehan, no, sorry, Joe Judge wanted Dable to be his offensive coordinator when he was given the head coaching job. Now, if we go out there and have a massive, massive improvement on offence and we're moving the ball and we're scoring touchdowns and, and we're, all right, maybe not making playoffs, but you can see the offence is actually doing stuff. How bad would Joe Judge feel? I mean, I've not, I've not seen or heard that rumour, but damn, imagine, yeah. <laughs> I believe, yeah, I believe that that was what was touted, was that Judge, if he was staying, wanted Dayball as one of his interviewees for the offensive coordinator job. Yeah, I'm sure I read that he was he wanted him last year, and Bills declined the option because it was a so it's it's not what it, is it has to be a progression that it that you can't refuse interviews yeah. for. So I'm I'm sure I read that he wanted him last year before it was confirmed with Garrett and the Bills chairman said, "No, you're not interviewing." It's an interesting thought. Isn't it? Imagine imagine if Judge was still there and and, and Dave was his OC. You know, yeah, it's good. I don't know. I don't know if that if that combination would work or not because. Did we really rate Joe Judge as high, highly enough to be able to be that head coach still that we need him to be? Don't know. We will never know. And the fact that he's back with the Patriots as well is quite funny. Dexter Lawrence said about his fifth-year option. There's been talk about he's controlling what he can control right now. It's going to handle itself, but he does want to be a giant long-term. And the fact that he's he's come back and he's a little bit bigger in size, it's, it's, just, it's just the off-season. He's not in his best shape now. But every day they've been working with Coach Wink and looking at the plays he's run with the Ravens, I mean, it seems like the defence is sort of starting to come together, which is quite nice. Any thoughts on what Dex Lawrence said, Shane? No, I mean, he's again, he's got the right attitude, you know, he's been asked about his fifth year, and he, it's, he's right, it's it's not in his control, so he can only do what he can do. Personally, I, I hope we do pick it up. Firstly, we're not very deep at the position, and secondly, whilst he's not been amazing you, you could argue has he been the 17th overall pick um has he played at that no but i do think he's quite good and I'm, he's one player i'm hoping will really kick on under wink system yeah i hope so i hope he does kev your thoughts on next lawrence yeah i mean i think we have to pick up the fifth year option the fifth year option nick is for 2023 and it's 10 million for that year I mean look BJ Hill just got 10 million a year in a contract extension with the Cincinnati Bengals I think he would get up more in the open market next off season so I think what a fifth year option 10 million is a no-brainer to be honest I think he's been good like Shane says he has lived up to 17 overall but I think he has been good and I think he will flourish under Wink's uh, under Wink's um, schemes and it is like you know he's coming a bit heavy but hey not to go on about it but at least he's here Exactly, he's there at the end of the day. Um, as is Saquon Barkley, um, which is good to see as well. He was asked about the off-season being the first one since his rookie year, that he hasn't been rehabbing an injury. Uh, he said that he feels a lot different, a lot better, and he feels like himself again, which is good to hear. And asked about extending his contract this off-season, which he's not really focused on at the moment. He said the best thing I can do is focus on what I can control again. Obviously, the contract's out of his control. After Joe Shane said he was open to taking phone calls um, for potentially trading for Saquon, uh, he said his phone blew up. He thought he was being traded, but he didn't think he was trying to get rid of him, uh, which is quite nice that he didn't think he was trying to get rid of him. But at the same time, you know, he maybe thought he was going to get traded. And his mindset as well is quite nice. He, he, he said he just wants to kill. <laughs> he wants to go crazy and he's tired of the bullshit that's being said about him. He wants to go out there and prove to the organisation that the player that they drafted is still there. Everything that's come out of Saquon Barkley's mouth there is uh, is quite positive and quite nice to see, don't you agree? 
Yeah, I mean, he sounds like somebody's got someone who's got a bit of a file it under their belly, got a point to prove. I, I do want him to be extended. I will say it now because I do think there is a player in there. I do think that he can help Daniel Jones or the rookie QB that we might get to replace Jones and he can thrive in Dable's offence. So, you know, I hope they do find a way to extend him. I'll openly say that. But again, it's going to come down to cost. You know, I love Saquon. He's my guy. I'll back him. I'll back him all day about the player he is. You know, he he is an absolute monster of a player, but there's got to be a right cost. If it's CMC money, you know, it's going to be a bit difficult. Yeah, definitely. I think it all depends on what he does this season, I think, with his contract. If he has a good year this year, then he might command a bigger contract than if he has a not so good year. We could literally do with him uh, first game of the season going off. But first game of the season, 1,200 yards rushing, 80 yards receiving and three touchdowns or something. That's going to give him the confidence. You know, whereas if he has a, if he has the opening game where he rushes 20 times for 16 yards and two catches for minus three yards, you know, you, you want him to get off to that good start. Yeah, definitely. I think with with Barkley, like, I, I just want to see him back to his best. I really do. He's had a, a really bad sort of last couple of years, obviously with his injury and you know coming into the off season, rehabbing his injury, and I just want to see him back to his best. Kev, what do you think? It's interesting one saying this, this is the first off season being injury free since his rookie year, and even that off season wasn't a true off season because you know he was he was drafted that year, and he was, you know everything that goes with being drafted as a rookie, you know you, you don't really have a, a true off season. So this could be the, his first true off season in the NFL, which 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 is good. Right? I mean, I'm really kind of that stuff gets you excited. The contract stuff, I mean, that, that, that'll be interesting because not his fault, but he hasn't earned a top five com- uh, running back contract. Now, if he goes out and balls out this year and says, look what I can do when I'm healthy. I want to be a highest-paid running back. It's like, well, no. Like, If he goes out and balls out, I want him to give a little bit of a home, hometown discount. I think I think the Giants deserve that because he hasn't been on the field to give them the uh, production that we that we should have got from him in his first four years in the league. Yeah, I can understand if he had all those four, those first four years, like have been, you know, 1,500, plus, 1500 yards plus each season, you know, 10-plus touchdowns each season, and just looking like looking like he did in his rookie year every every year but the fact that he's pretty much he missed a whole year and he's had a really off year in 2021 I think maybe those two years the fact he wasn't at his best could account for the fact that the Giants might go with a, a lower offer than he's hoping for but at the same time like you said it would be good that if he gave him a bit of bit of discount and said alright yeah fair enough I mean the tag's always an option as well obviously yeah exactly but we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that for sure no doubt and then Leonard Williams as well said about, I think that was yesterday, talking about Wink's defence, saying it's every defensive player wants to make big plays and uh, this is the type of scheme to do it in. They've, they've all been watching a film on the Ravens to understand his scheme. You know, it's early days of learning Wink's defence, but they all seem to be talking pretty positively about it. When asked about change and how he adapts to change, he learnt quickly that there's going to be a lot of sort of turnover in the in the locker room, players that won't be there next season, and that happens throughout the year too. He said he, I think he sat next to five different people in, in, in a season in the locker room, so it's it's how he adapts to change, um, and he said he adapts quite well. He was asked about Michael Strahan visiting as well. He said he, you know, it's good to see him. He met him a few times previously. Good to have that sort of influence come and speak to the the defense and he broke the huddle and stuff as well after after the training and then he's when he was asked about whether he's sick of the term rebuild and he said it's not the rebuilding i'm sick of it's the losing that i'm sick of and i think out of all of the quotes coming out of the press conferences that was the one quote that really sort of stood out for me the fact that he's sick of losing i mean he's in his going into his eighth year and he's never played in a playoff game so it just goes to show he, that he wants to win and he wants to win as soon as possible, really. Shane Leonard Williams, what were your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, like you, like you say, you know, his eighth season, he's never been to the playoffs. And this isn't for a guy that was drafted, like, kind of third round, fourth round. This is for a guy who was drafted, was it top five, I think? And then not only drafted top five, four, but the team gave up picks to then make a trade for him. So, you know, I mean, some of the comments that he made, I, I did kind of think, I wonder if he might be a captain this year. I know it's early to be looking at captains, but he's speaking the way I'd expect a captain and a leader to speak. And, you know, that's going to rub off on the rest of the team. Um, but yeah, like, like you're saying, that's probably one of my favourite quotes um, that any of the players have come out with. Kev? 
I do think he was talking about Wink's um, defensive scheme and he was looking at like Calais Campbell and he was looking at how he was being used and he would be used in the same way and it's sort of like, you know, it gets him excited. I, I, I think it'd be great for the defence to get a bit of a revamp. And uh, yeah, like Chin says, he does sound like a captain speaking. So I'm very excited for him this year as well. Yeah, com- com- completely agree with both of you there on the, the fact that you know he said he's the what the, how he was talking and it sounded it sounded like he was a leader on that defense it sounded like he wanted to be a leader on that defense and i'd really like him as a captain to be fair i've, all, I've always liked leonard williams i think even when he was at the jets i think he set a you know a good example just the way he behaves on and off the field he's just he's a he's a consummate professional really and the fact that he had the option to not turn up to otas and he decided to come instead just goes to show the the, the attitude of the man so yeah i'd really like if he became a, became one of the team captains this year that's for sure we did pick up a player that today um in fact uh, jordan akins tight end from houston uh, was picked in the third round in 2018 he's 30 years old and has started 23 games and played in 58 overall caught three touchdown passes in the space of the last four years it was quite funny when uh, it was posted in the group chat earlier and uh, i think was it me and you kev said we'd never heard of him <laughs> waiting so i suppose a wait and see with him he's obviously a third round pick so he's he's obviously had some talent when he came into the league, but you know we've, we've... he's an older rookie as well. I mean, I'm sorry, he was an older rookie when he got drafted. Like he's 30 years old now. I think he was drafted when he was 25, 26. Yeah. Um. I think I think he was in the baseball league. I think it was an MLB with the Texas Rangers. I think was it? Okay. Yeah. Um, before coming to football, so that's sort of why he's like a bit of an old older player. But um, yeah, I mean, he's a warm body in the tight end room that has some NFL experience. Yeah, true. Is there, there's a, there's quite a few holes in that tight end room at the moment, isn't there? Let's face it. Shane Jordan Akins, what do you make of him? Um, it was shit for my fantasy league. I picked him up on. <laughs> that, that's that's what my knowledge is of him. I picked him up. Maybe it was last year or the year before when Texans were quite thin at tight end, and I thought, oh yeah, they'll do all right. And he, he did, and he made he made Evan Ingram look amazing. I mean, to be fair, if someone can make Evan Ingram look amazing, then they they must be really shit. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not mocking him. You know, I do think this move potentially limits us taking two tight ends in the draft, which I thought we might maybe do we've only having obviously uh ricky seals jones on on the roster the only kind of vet so to speak um, but now jordan akins draft one more rookie i know who i'm hoping that rookie's gonna be and it could be someone we get in that kind of four frame range but yeah if we look at what dayable had in buffalo a tight end was never the key piece to that offense yeah that's true tight end is one of those positions where you don't necessarily need that Rob Gronkowski or that Travis Kelsey to to be a successful team, but sometimes you look at tight ends like that and think, you know, it, it, maybe that is a key piece in the offense that that a successful team needs. We'll see what happens with the, with the draft. I'm sure we'll take a tight end, like you said, that sort of third or fourth round, that sort of area, and we'll find out that next weekend, won't we? And lastly, we had more pre-draft visits this week, uh, including Logan Hall, defensive end from Houston, Brian Asamoa, linebacker from Oklahoma, Jelani Woods, there you go, tight end from Virginia, and Travis Jones, defensive tackle from Connecticut. Shane and Kev, what do you make of those? Yeah, I mean, um, for me, Logan Hall's an okay player. Depends where you're looking at, at taking him. He's not kind of... I mean, I, I, I don't, I've not watched much tape on him. He doesn't seem like a kind of a fit for an outside linebacker, Reg kind of guy in a 3 4. Brian Asamoa, he's okay. I think I've got him ranked sort of in that linebacker 9, linebacker 10 region. Jelani Woods is a guy who I'm starting to get a massive crush on. He's a monster. He's a pro- he's a developmental tight end. I will say that, look, if you draft him, he's not going to come in day one, but he's an absolute. Beast. If you've not watched the uh, tape on Jelani Woods, I'd recommend watching it. Travis Jones, he's a guy who I think's really slid under the radar because of the two Georgia guys. You know, he would be a great nose tackle. Kev, pretty rough visits. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, so Logan Hall, I love. I think he's a very good player. He would be a inside defensive lineman for me. He's not an edge at all. He's um he'd be like um almost a Leonard Williams style of player. So he would for us, he would play, he would be like a Leonard Williams type player. I mean, in a 4-3, he'd be the three technique. He wouldn't be the one, he'd be the three technique on the inside. Uh, explosive, quick. I mean, if you're looking for some interior help uh, in the second round, you look at him there. Very similar to Shane on Brian Asamoah. I think he's a I think he's a very good player in the third, fourth round, but he's kind of like converted safety. So he's great in range, good at running around, covering tight ends, covering like uh, crossers. 
stuff like that. But he wouldn't be the thumper, wouldn't be sort of like your typical first two down uh, linebackers. Woods has grown on me. We've talked about Woods. Woods is in our top, me and she's both top five. Travis Jones is brilliant. He's a very good player again, but he'd be different to Hall. So whereas Hall would be like 270, 280, Travis Jones would be your 330, like a big sort of penetrating up the middle, pushing the pocket up the middle type uh, interior. That push up front that we need that we did get last year. Yeah. Well, we're hoping Sexy Dexy. Yeah, man. Not just not just him, but Big Cat as well. Let's, let's hope they get some push up front this year. Cool. Well, uh, four players to look out for there. And I mean, I'm sure maybe two or three of them might come up very, very soon because uh, we're going to move on to Shane and Kev's top fives on defense. Uh, so two weeks ago, you'll see Shane and Kev bought you their top five draft prospects at each offensive position. And this week, it's the defense's turn. Uh, we were going to do it last week, but obviously with Kev selling himself in Vegas for the weekend, we thought it was only fair that we let him have his say on who's top five on his board on defense. Um, so again, I'm going to sit back, relax, and uh, learn something new while uh, you both talk through your boards. Uh, we're going to start off in the trenches. So who do you guys have as your top five? on the interior defensive line yeah so um i mean again like i mentioned last time we did this i was still making changes up to last last night on my, my rankings and in all honesty my rankings might change slightly um when we come around to next week but my interior defensive line i'm gonna get work backwards again so at five i've got perry on winfrey four the marvin leal three travis jones two Devontae wyatt and one jordan davis yeah, and so um, so mine are, well, I'll just throw out one there quickly. Logan Hall was six uh, on my list. Number five, I've got Travis Jones from UConn. Perion Winfrey at four from Oklahoma. Number three, I've got DeMarvin Neal from Texas A&M. And then number two, Devontae Wyatt and one Jordan Davis, both from Georgia. Both from Georgia, interesting. Cool. All right, who have you got at edge then? So this is the, this is the tough one. I've, I've literally can't make my mind up on my edges, so to speak. I've, I've changed it that much. But as of today, five, I've got David Ajabo of Michigan. Four, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. Three, I've got JJ Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. Two, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. And one, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. <laughs> it's so hard this isn't it I mean like um, I have Ojabo 6 and I would have him higher but for the injury uh, but my top 5 is George Karlaftis out of Purdue I don't know why there's not a lot for George man big George uh, I think he's a great player he, like you just you watch the tape and it just flashes it's just so strong and he could be like a good foil to um, to Aziz to Aziz Ojulari but anyway sorry yeah, I've got him at 5 I've got Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State at 4 Trayvon Walker from Georgia at 3 now, I flip-flop these two constantly, and it's just so difficult. I mean, I had... I, right, so it's number two is Kayvon Thibodeau, and number one's Aiden Hutchinson. And I had Kayvon Thibodeau number two, one, up until a few days ago. And I've only flipped it because I just think Aiden Hutchinson's the safer pick. And I can just see us... I mean, it won't come to us anyway, but because a lot of my thinking is about what Giants, what's good for the Giants, like a lot of the times. I mean, you can't do that for every player because some players are just better, but won't fit, if you know what I mean. But I just think we need, like I said it before, we need to hit doubles, not home runs this, this draft. We need just to save, save players. But yeah, so there's my five. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And, you know, there is some flags with Thibodeau. The reason I've got Thibodeau at one is because my job's not on the line. I can have Thibodeau at number one and nobody is ever going to come back to me and say, you're shit, you're sacked, you're no longer general manager. I do think Thibodeau is going to be one of those players who is either going to go at two overall, for instance, he's going to be absolutely crap and he's going to be what a reach. Or he's going to go at like number nine or ten, and in five years' time, it's going to be like, how on earth did this player stay there? I do think Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson is kind of my guy at the edge position. Love Jermaine Johnson. I think he's so so underrated. But the one question I've got for Kev, my crush at the edge position, Nick Benito. Where have you got him? Uh right. Right, okay. I've, I'm just curious where you've got him, because I, I love Nick Benito for a potential third-round edge guy. I've got Nick Benito at number 11. Get him off. I know. I just don't... I just... I just. I, all right, he can flash on the edge. He can bend the corner, and he's brilliant on obvious passing downs, but he's rough, He's not great against the run. Yeah. And, like, and let's face it, at the moment, you still need to be able to be a good run defender setting the edge. Yeah, I, I just... I just... Like I say, third round, I'd, I'd happily take him there. Yeah. 
but just quickly on like Kayvon Thibodeau, the off the field stuff people are talking about, I don't think it's an issue. I don't even see what the issue is. All right, he's into his brand and he's into his commercialization of himself and he wants to make the best decisions for himself off the field as well. I don't see why you can't do that and be a good footballer. I mean, Don Brady commercializes himself and has got his off-field things. Exactly. I was I was lit I was literally just about to say, what about the brand TB12? Yeah, I mean like so 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 yeah, but what about like maybe being a rapper and a receiver? I mean that's a little bit different. Well, no, that's fine. <laughs> that, that's fine if you turn up to preseason workouts and you turn up and you do everything else is fine. But those things get called into question when you don't do the the stuff you should be doing. Trayvon Walker as well, like I mean, right, so just Julian Johnson. I love him as well. I think he's a brilliant player. But when he played Notre Dame this year, he absolutely beasted us. And I was like, this guy, number 11, please tell me he's coming to the draft this year. And, it, and then he was. And everyone says, oh, but he left Georgia because Georgia, because he, did, he didn't make, you know, he didn't get game time and stuff like that. He got, he was sitting behind people and people are saying Trayvon Walker didn't make enough plays, blah, 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 sack quarterback. But what people, what people don't realize is like, Georgia rotate. They rotate all their players through. And Jermaine Johnson wanted most of the snaps. He wanted as many snaps as he could get to put enough tape out there to get into the league. And he was getting the same snaps to everyone else and he was productive. He was getting sacks at Georgia, but he wanted most of the snaps, 100% of the snaps on the edge to prove what he could do. Trayvon Walker, again, didn't get 100% of the snaps. He was rotated through uh, through the line as well. He played in the interior, played on the outside, and then off the field as well to let someone else have a go. And that's why his stats would, might not be as inflated. And he was taking a lot of double teams, allowing other people on the defense to make plays. So I just I hate that narrative when people say, oh, Jermaine Johnson is one year productivity, and he had to leave to get that. You have to see the bigger picture as well. Yeah, but the one thing, just the last thing I'll say on Thibodeau. Thibodeau did piss me off. But there's two reasons why you pissed me off. Number one, if you're going to compare yourself to anybody, absolutely anybody, do not say you want to be Jadavian Clowney. Do not say that. But just in response to that, in, in KT's defence, he didn't say he wanted to... He was comparing him to his like pre-draft measurables and pre-draft like stock, if that makes sense. If everyone knew what Clowney was going to be, he wouldn't have gone first overall. But... Everyone believed what he could be, and that's why he went first overall. That's what Thibodeau was referring to. He wanted to be in that conversation. Just say, I want to be like Miles Garrett. Okay, it's a guy who went number one overall. It's a guy that's produced. And I'm sure that, I don't know, but I'm sure the measurables aren't too different. And the other thing that just annoyed me with him as well, don't turn around and say you're going to do all the positional drills at the combine, run, and then go, nah, I'll do it at my pro day. But no, you don't do that. You don't tell GMs that you're going to do all the drills and then turn around and go, no, I don't want to do it. And don't use the excuse even, not you, Kev, uh, Thibodeau. Don't use the excuse of, oh, I wanted to do the linebacker drills. That's fine. Come back the next day. You're an athlete. Well, I've, 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 I've got my conspiracy theory about this anyway. Oh, go on. I'll hear this and then we'll move on. Right. I actually, I don't know if this is a little bit of hope, right? More than a conspiracy theory. But I think he wants to go to the Giants. I think he's said to the Giants in meetings or led them to believe, like, I'll do whatever it takes. But he's kind of not killing his own draft stock, but essentially he is a little bit to try and manoeuvre himself to the Giants. But he's at a play you'd want if he's willing to do that. It's not our decision shit. No, and that's why he's number one for me. <laughs> Are you really surprised that he, wants to go, that he wants to go to the Giants? Because you look at the four teams before that. Do you really want to go to Jacksonville? Probably not. Do you really want to go to Detroit? Probably not. Do you really want to go to Houston? Probably not. Do you really want to go to the Jets? Well, I'd rather go to the Giants than Jets. Let's face it, there's only one team in New York. So, well, would anyone really go to the Giants on the last four years? <laughs> could be the next. It could be the next piece of the franchise. Yeah, exactly. It could be. It could be the next OC. It could be the next Tuck. Could be the next Strahan. Anyway, like I said, it's just my little conspiracy theory that I'm kind of hoping for as well. And also, did he really say that he want he wanted to be like Jadeveon Clowney? Yeah, but he meant he meant his he meant his pre-draft hype. That's what he wanted. I mean, Jadeveon Clowney of all players. Yeah, but you can say that in hindsight. I mean, I suppose he's he's quote was I'm like Jadeveon 2.0. Yeah, in the draft build-up. I mean, I suppose there was quite a lot of hype about Jadavi and Clowney when he, when he, after he declared for the draft, wasn't there? And it just didn't work out for him. I mean, he's, he, I know he's still playing in the league, but he's sort of flip-flopping around now. But yeah, Miles Garrett, there was more hype about Miles Garrett, I think, than, uh, than Jadavi and Clowney was. But yeah, there we go. There's some, uh, there's some great talent coming out of Edge, put it that way, let's face, let's face it. Uh, right, top five at linebacker then, guys. Who have we got? So this, this is like my position. This has chopped and changed so much for me. And even right now, I don't like what I've got lined up. 
but I'm going to go with it anyway. So at number five, I've got Leo Chanel. Four, I've got Christian Harris. Three, Gway Walker. Two, Devin Lloyd. And number one, Nicole Dean. Hmm, interesting. And I'm disgusted with myself with that list. That list will be changing over the weekend. So my top five is Chad Moomer from Wyoming. Quay Walker from Georgia. But shouldn't that be Key? Is that just like across the pond way of saying Key? Anyway, Quay Walker from Georgia. Is his name spelled Q-U-A-Y? Correct. Then that's Key, yeah. So Key Walker from Georgia. Number three, Nakobe Dean from Georgia. Number two, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. And number one, Devin Lloyd from Utah. So Leo Chanel, did you say? As in like, is he spelt like the brand Chanel? Yeah. So surely you'd have to have number seven as his jersey, right? I, I noticed while you were reading out your uh, your top five there, Shane, I noticed that Kev was pulling a few funny faces. Why are you pulling those funny faces? Uh, I mean, like, I love Leo Chanel. What do you like about Chanel? It's not like... Oh, I love Chanel. I love Chanel. He will be... Why is he a five? I don't like his lack of zone coverage. Okay, I get that. I get. I, I do understand that. He, he's Blake Martinez 2.0. He's a tackling machine. He's going to come into this league and have 120 tackles. Maybe not any rookie year, but that's what he, he, the kind of player is. He's a great win defender. He's a great blitzer. He's a shit coverage linebacker. And that's the, and, and that, that's the battle I'm having with myself. Everything I see on Tay tells me he's not, he, he's at four or five for his all rounds. Right. I, I understand that. But you've seen him blitz. You see how he, oh, yeah. he destroys centers and gets them. Like, so in a Wink Martindale scheme, Surely he would be an absolute bull in that. And then it comes down to, are you doing a top five on what you see or a top five fit for Giants? I just say, I do top five fit for Giants, yeah. Oh, and I say other top five, like... Uh, no, I, 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 I try to do a bit of both. I try to, like, do it best players and then... But so I, I always have my Giants hat on because that's what essentially why I'm watching it is to see if these are the fit for the Giants. I really want to get Chad Moomer in. Yeah, he's so good. I like Chad Moomer. I think he's... He's that under-the-radar linebacker because Leo Chanel over the last few weeks has started to see his, his stock rise off felt. It's in a lot of places talking about him and, you know, I've even seen mock drafts where he's going the back end of the first round, which I do think is a little bit too high. But, you know, I, I do look... Leo Chanel is my guy at the position. He he is 100%. Like, the Giants draft him, I am going to be well happy with that. But just for me personally, he, he's ranked five. And even if even when I do move him up, he's, he's only going to be moving up to number four just because of his lack of zone coverage. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, like... Again, it's, it's, it's that like it's a term used constantly in draft circles or podcasts, or whatever. Like it's like, what's your flavor? Most positions, it's like, what flavor do you want? I mean, like Devin Lloyd is a converted safety. You know, he he's he's your like he is your roaming sort of linebacker. Like and and someone like who else? Brian Asima. Like he's a very good like almost like converted safety to linebacker because teams are going so pass heavy now, which I understand. Again, my personal preference has always been traditional stuff that run on first and second downs, being able to cover, but being able to blitz, I think, for a linebacker, I think is huge now. And those smaller coverage linebackers just get absolutely manhandled by big O linemen. Yeah, I mean, look, say, I, I get what you're saying, but for me, I, I want a linebacker that can at least do some coverage, that can follow a tight end or a running back. And I don't think Leo Chanel is that kind of player, which is why if the Giants draft him, I'd kind of love it, but it means Martinez has got to move on next year because I, th- I do think with Martinez and Chanel at middle linebacker in a 3-4, we're going to get torched in the passing game. Yeah, I, I do get that. I mean, like, there's a player that I really like as well that was very close to my top five was um, Clark, uh, Damone Clark from LSU. But he's had a season-ended injury in, in, in the build-up to the draft and he will not play for this season. But if he falls to the, you know, day three, I mean, that could be a grab and stash type of signing for us. Like, I mean, I think he, he does it all well. He's one of those players that plays well against the run, can blitz. Uh, come off the edge a bit, and he's decent in coverage. But obviously, the injuries just killed the stock. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I agree if he's there. A bit like David Ajabo. If Ajabo's there in the second round, we've not taken an edge. I'm taking Ajabo every single day of the week. Yeah, because you'd almost like just to sidetrack a little bit. I think we could do that because, all right, we've still got Sexy Dexy. We've still got Williams. We've still got Ojolari. And we would just play a guy until sort of Ajabo's up to speed. Lots to talk about a linebacker, clearly. All right, we'll go uh, We'll go safety next, guys. Top five on safety, who we got? Yeah, so at number five, I've got Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. You take my safety out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, I really, I just want to <laughs> For the benefit of the listeners, uh, Kev has just almost had a fit and thrown his water bottle at his TV. He's not a happy bunny. <laughs> so, Shane, top five at safety, who have you got? Paul Hamilton in it all. Imagine. Um, number five, I've got Daxton Hill. Number four, I've got Jalen Petrie. Three, I've got Louis Seen. Two, Jaquan Briska. We are. And number one, Kyle Hamilton. Not your name. That's more like it. <laughs> uh, so my top five would be Jaquan Briska from Penn State. Number four, Louis Seen from Georgia. Number three, Jalen Petrie from Beeler. Number two, Daxton Hill. And number one, Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, look, with the safety position, I don't know what you think, Kev, but if you take Carl Hamilton out of the draft, let's say he wasn't in this draft, I would have Briska seen Petrie, Hill and Cross. And it'd literally be like a 1A, 1B, 1B, oh, 1B. Like, literally, like, taking Carl Hamilton out of it, between my two at Briska and five at Hill, and I've even got Nick Cross at six, there's literally, like, nothing between any of them, really. I've literally got, like, I've got Hill at two because I just think he's so fast, so rangy can play sort of a little bit of everything. Yeah, Hill, Petrie, C, Brisker, and then Brian Cook, I love from Cincinnati that we talked about before. Nick Cross at seven. Kirby Joseph uh, out of Illinois at eight. Tyson Anderson from Toledo at nine. Like, those, you give me any of those, I think a push for a starting position in our in our defense. Like, so the bunch is so bunched together. So I'll almost be like, you know what, we'll hold off safety in round two because if you give me one of them with two, one of our two third-round picks, I'm happy. Yeah, definitely. There's literally not, not much between it, wouldn't you take? But the drop-off from Hamilton down to the, the second safety, whoever you've got, there's literally nothing between any of them. It's one of those, like, people, it just sort of, like, it's weird because it kind of, like, promotes the the thing about safety and positional value and stuff like that. And a lot of people think that Hamilton will drop out of the top 10 simply because he is a safety. But he can do so much more. He's so versatile. And if he was there at seven for us, after we've got our own lineman, I'd happily run the card up. You go number. You go safety at seven. Interesting. I'll go, no, I'd, I wouldn't. I'd go the player at seven. I heard a really good like quote or conversation. I can't remember where I heard it, but it basically was saying that he's the type of player. Well, first of all, at Notre Dame he was called the eraser because whatever the defense messed up, he erased it on the back. He erased the the, the big play or whatever like the, the offense was trying to do. The again, Notre Dame safety plays for the Vikings. Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith was considered like one of those players that the defensive coordinator, wherever a team was, was harming you, wherever they were going to the outside, to the inside, to like in the past. And that is, he would go there and play. He'd go there and play and shut that down. That's the type of player Kyle Hamilton is. Wherever they're killing you, they're killing you down the seams, or they're killing you on the outside, or they like, you know, just plug him in. He will stop how they're getting their yards. Do you know something that's really pissing me off over the Kyle Hamilton talk? Everyone's talking about his 40 yard time. 40-yard this, 40-yard that, he ran in this. Does anyone know what the numbers, anyone that's listening, 4.63 represents? Xavier McKinney's 40 time. Are any of us saying that he's shit? Does he play like a 4.63 guy? No. So, you know, 40 time is important for corners and wide receivers more than anything else. It's not important for a safety. So, you know, if people are like maybe dropping him down based off the 40 time, We've got a stood safety, in my opinion, in Xavier McKinney, who ran slower than Kyle Hamilton. So I'm not concerned about Kyle Hamilton's 40 time. I couldn't give a toss about it. Not a ton. He's like 6'4", 220 pounds. And like four point of reference, like an average safety would be about six foot, you know, 190. Do you know what I mean? So this geezer is like 6'4", 220. He could play outside linebacker. He could play free safety, Roman safety. He could play as part of a too high safety. He could play in the box. He could, I mean, you might not stick him on a wide receiver that often, but he has played there. But yeah, I mean, I just think like he can kind of do it all. And like I said, if you needed, if a team's killing you in one area of the field, just put him there and he will tackle, he'll intercept, and he will bat the ball down and pass the flight. And let's face it, that's what you need in the safety, right? Yeah, and the fact that he's a, he's a big lad, the fact that he's six four, like you said, it may, almost makes the 40 time irrelevant. Because uh, it's one of those one of those positions like you just don't really need to pay attention to the forty time. You need to pay attention to the other drills that carry out, not the forty time. Alrighty then, last up, corner top five at corner. Who have you got, guys? Yeah, so for me, I've got uh, Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson in at number five. Kyrie Elam at number four out of Florida. Three, I've got Washington's Trent McDuffie. Two, I've got John Roll. 
Ahmed Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. And one, I've got Derek Stingley out of LSU. Interesting. It is interesting. I mean, like, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree, but I do understand, you know, the top five there. I mean, my top five is Kerry Lim from Florida. Number four, Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. Three, Trent McDuffie from Washington. Two, Derek Stingley Jr. And number one, Ahmed Sauce Gardner. So obviously with uh, with Sauce and Stingley, they're obviously both been talked very, very highly about. Why do each of you think one's going to go higher than the other? Why are you rating Stingley higher than uh, Sauce, Shane? Sauce is going to be the first cornerback off, 100%, but he shouldn't be. Derek Stingley's hands down the best cornerback in this draft. I don't care if he's had these injuries. The way he moved at his pro day, he's got no injury problems whatsoever. You know, you watch the tape of him going rep for rep with Jamar Chase. There's loads of cornerbacks last year that couldn't keep up with Jamar Chase. Yet, you know, Derek Stingley did it day in, day out in training. You know, he had an absolutely phenomenal season in 2019, was it? Yeah, the year the year, the year LSU won the lot with Joe Burrows. Yeah, 2019. You know, he, he had probably hands down the best college record for a cornerback. And like I've said, I'm not getting sacked for having Derek Stingley at number one. So I'm going to go on what what my eyes show me, and that's on tape. He's a stud cornerback. He's a lockdown corner. And I think he's been vastly, vastly underrated by many in the mainstream media. Yeah, you don't hear as much about Stingley as you do um, Sauce Gardner. It's just, if he is that good, why why do you not hear as much about him? It's, it's a strange one. Why do you think Sauce Gardner's rated higher than Stingley, Kev? Right, so, so me, it, I, it, I had a really close It literally is 1A, 1B for me. Okay. Again, I'll come back to some reasons why I like Sauce. I mean, like, you know, the obvious things people say, he never gave up a touchdown in his high school career, college career. He intercepted against Notre Dame, played very well against Notre Dame. So when players play against Notre Dame and play well, they kind of stand out a little bit more for me as well. I mean, I just think this consistency, just consistency. He played at a level all three years of college. So I just believe that will carry on in the league. I mean, Again, not to put Stingley down, because, you know, I think Stingley's a great player. To actually build, to talk about him, I mean, I think he's been unfairly, like people say he might drop to the teens. Like, if, like again, if Sauce is gone, three or four or whatever, and we, and we, pick, and we pick Stingley at seven, I'll be ecstatic. I'll be so, so happy, because I believe he can be a shutdown corner in the league. I mean, his first year was unbelievable. The numbers he set, the amount of pass deflections, the amount of interceptions. And he was talking, I remember, I remember watching that season and thinking to myself, this geezer is the absolute nuts. You know, I cannot wait for him to come out. And I did think to myself, we'll never be in a position to draft him. Like, we'd ne- like at the end of that season, I was like, oh God, like when he comes out, we'll never be in a position to draft him. Like, and, and here we are, that we might be able to. I mean, the second year, you have to remember, his team was decimated. Lost all the coaching staff. A lot of them went to the NFL. Uh, a lot of them left the team. And it was COVID as well. So you couldn't train properly. Everything was up in the air. So like, you know, so to say he had a down year and give him that as a knock, I'd be like, well, that's way too harsh in my opinion. And then even in his last year, the third year, I didn't know this until the, the other day. He was actually injured pre-season, but he sort of held it together, went out and tried to play the season and had to stop, had to stop because, he, you know, he couldn't carry on the rest of the season. And that's why, again, why, you know, his numbers are so deflated. So, yeah, I think he's, I think he's a great player. Like I said, it literally, it's just I've seen a lot more body of work from Sauce than I have from Singley, and that's it. Did you say he hadn't given up a touchdown in the whole of his high school or college career? Correct. Interesting. So we take a corner number 10 overall in 2016 in Eli, in Eli Apple and he gives touchdowns up for fun. And uh, there's a there's a cornerback in this in this year's draft, Sauce Gardner, who hasn't given up a touchdown pass in his, in his whole football career so far. And it's crazy, crazy. Like, you know, they say, um, what was it? They said the only college receiver to score a touchdown on him was his own receiver in practice, Alec Pierce. That's insane. I would just like to add as well, a certain Mr. DeAndre Baker had never given up a touchdown in college either. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Do not speak that name. That name is not welcome here. I'm just speaking facts. And he happened to be the first cornerback drafted that year as well. Too many similarities from our liking. <laughs> you got to forget about Dion Baker. Almost like that didn't exist. Uh, a pick not happening. But I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be a, a coin toss between those two by the sounds of it. Cool. Well, top fives. There you go. There you have it. Shani Kev's draft squads are taking shape nicely, though. I'm sure there's going to be plenty more changes to come before draft night come Thursday next week. You know, we are only a week away from the draft tonight, um, and we're all looking forward to the party that's coming. Let us know what you think with Shane and Kev's boards on offense and on defense. You know, get in touch via the usual channels. Do you have the players ranked in different orders? Do you have them ranked in the same order? What What are your opinions? Let us know. 
And now it's time again to open up the mailbag. We've had two questions sent in this week. First off, we've had Lewis Hollingsworth on Twitter. He can't believe the lack of hype on Derek Stingley. It looks like an amazing talent for us to take at seven. And he called him ages ago. What are your thoughts? So Shane and Kev, you've just spoken about Derek Stingley. What are your thoughts about him? Do you think there is a lack of hype on him? 100%. I mean, look, could you imagine a world, just imagine a world where we potentially get Cave on Thibodeau at five and Derek Stingley at seven. Like, you know, the, the, I remember last year on one of our podcasts and we, we, we had a, like a, a, a quick talk about next year's draft class. Didn't and the three names that I, I do remember us all mentioning was Thibodeau, Derek Stingley and Evan Neal. And at the time we were like, oh, we'll never get one of them. Yet we could potentially end up walking away with two of the three. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the camp at the minute of Thibodeau and uh, Neil and get the offensive tackle to start a round two. Start a round two. You mean Thibodeau and uh, Stingley? Yeah, sorry. I mean, I'd, I'd be happy. If we got two of those three, I'd be like, in, in any order, I'd be like, so, so happy. I mean, like, talk back, back to Lucy's question, though. I mean, like, I, you know, I kind of knew it was coming up, but I forgot it. I kind of explained it there. I think the lack of hype is the fact that people look to production. People look at, what have you done for me lately? And they haven't taken into context why Mikey have not put up the numbers that he did in his first year. There you go. That answers your question, Lewis. Thanks very much for getting in touch. Next up, we've got at Smith one one two. This is quite an interesting question, actually. I kind I kind of liked it when it came in. Imagine the situation: none of them want to stay. Who are you franchise tagging? OC Minora, Justin Tuck, or Jason Pierre Paul? Now I'm going to throw it open to everyone on this on on this pod site, and that includes you as well, Craig. I'm going to throw it to Shane first. Who are you tagging? OC Tuck or JPP? In all honesty, I'll probably get nogged. I think they're all overrated. In all seriousness, I never, I was never lucky enough to see any of the three play. I wasn't a Giants fan. I think JPP had probably lost his hand the time I become a Giants fan. So that's not really like, you know, I didn't exactly see prime JPP. Um, but from everything I've kind of seen and read up on, and because I've learned a lot about him, I'd probably choose OC out of the three. If that's wrong, please nobody shoot me down. I didn't see all three play yet again. It's definitely not wrong, Shane. I'll give you that. It's definitely not wrong. Interesting. So one way for OC. We'll go. We'll go. In, we'll go in seniority. So who's been a fan the longest? We'll go in seniority. Craig, who are you going for? See, you've given it away there because again, I didn't see OC play and I didn't see Tuck play. In fact, I did see them play, but not as a fan. So my thoughts behind them and my memories of them are not as vivid as watching prime jpp before he decided to have an unfortunate fireworks accident the jpp before that accident was a wrecker he was a machine and it was great watching him and just unfortunately the production just wasn't there and whether that was a lack of respect for the coaching staff after what had happened or because he just couldn't do it afterwards potentially both but yeah I watched JPP he was one of the f- first edge rushers that I watched supporting the Giants and I always thought that he was dominant so that'd be my pick Nice so we've got one for OC one for JPP Kev who are you going with? Right I'm going to go for this guy and it's not just because he went to Notre Dame Here we go Here we go <laughs> but, um, <laughs> He's number one safety out of Notre Dame and picked him up for ages uh, what can I say? I'm a homer domer, right? I'm going for obviously Justin Tuck. I just think, like, well, first of all, he was the first jersey I bought, first first proper one I owned. I mean, the first one I actually had was Jeremy Shockey, but I bought that just because I didn't know who he was and it was a Giants jersey. It was cheap. But and then the second one was an OC jersey, Pro Bowl one. But Justin Tuck, I just think, like, such a professional. I mean, like, he was obviously team captain, he had such high respect. He played to a really, really high level for a long, long time. Or he might not have might, might been as flashy as some of the other edge rushers. I just think, yeah, he's just like such a solid player and a good captain and a good leader. Yeah, that's who I pick. Mate, Justin Tuck gets my vote as well. Oh. I was lucky, been lucky enough to uh, to watch all three in playing blue. As much as I thought JPP, like you said, I absolutely agree with what you said, Craig. JPP was an absolute wrecker on the line. I thought his initial career with the Giants was... You know, he he was so disruptive on the defensive line. But obviously after he blew his hand off and he just wasn't the same player. And I think he didn't have that huge influence on that whole defensive defensive side of the ball that the other two did. 
And then it came down to it really was a toss up between OC and Tuck for me. OC obviously don't get me wrong, he's you know, won two Super Bowls, you know, he he was you know, he's a he's a flies the flag for the NFL in the UK. He's in the Giants Ring of Honor. He's still he still has a lot to do with the team. Um and he was an absolute beast of a defensive end. But I just think, yeah, I think for me, Justin Tuck, he just was that absolute professional, consistently good. He wasn't like you said, he wasn't so flashy, he wasn't like this, I'm coming out with 20 sacks a season. He was just consistently good, consistent pressure from him, you know, and just the, just his his work rate was unbelievable. And the fact that he was just a mountain of a man as well, it just, for me, he was he's my number one. I've got all three of their jerseys, I wear all three of their jerseys all the time still, but yeah, for me, Justin Tuck gets my vote. Boom. Um, thanks for your question, Smith. I really like that one. It got us thinking, that's for sure. But yeah, Tuck edges it for me. So Tuck wins two votes to one to one. Winner. That is all we've got time for this week, Giants fans. We'll be back next week to bring the latest in the build-up to the draft as we enter draft week. We'll also be opening up the mailbag again, no doubt, as we move ever closer to that big day next Thursday. Uh, so get your questions into us at Big Blue UK IRL on Twitter, at, on the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook page. And also via email, bigblueukirl at gmail.com. Anything to add before we go, guys? We came from the draft notes. I, I always think in the lead up, to like when we get these cars to draft, it's mental to think that, like, in a week's time, some 20, 21, 22 year old kid's going to have his whole life changed and moving halfway over the country. And he, he can't do anything about it. I always think, like, just thinking that that's like, mental, really. But yeah, looking forward to it. Don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I think we're hoping to get another episode out before. Before the draft that's the plan so hopefully we will speak again before the draft but you know you've heard morning kev's top fives tweet us let us know your top fives let kev know he was wrong on a lot of his picks and get him into us <laughs> yeah get in touch guys get in touch. let us know what you think of shane and kev's draft boards let us know if yours are any different get in touch kev anything to add mate yeah just that um looking forward to next week and it is it will be crazy to think like 10 days, whatever, we'll have a whole new draft of rookies that, you know, we'll think, do we want that shirt? Will he, will he play? Will he play well? Like, how will the team look? You start doing the depth chart. Where's the starters from this draft? You know, it's so interesting and um, I'm still looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, just bring it on. Absolutely. Craig, anything to add, mate? Yeah, just that we're still getting some really good interaction on Twitter. Anyone who has made it to the end of this episode would be pleased to know that I will be popping Kev and Shane's top fives for both offence and defence throughout the week onto Twitter. So it would be interesting to see your guys' thoughts, comment on those, like them, retweet them, let us know what you think, if you would make any changes, and who you would pick out of each segment. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to seeing that up on up on Twitter. Yeah, thanks for all your interaction this week. Send us your questions in, give us your feedback, leave us a review, let us know what you think of their top fives. We love the interaction, so keep 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 it coming. There's going to be plenty more going out on Twitter this week. You know, come ten days time, we're all going to know who went number one overall and who was Mister Irrelevant. Uh, was it number two hundred fifty six? Got all that to look forward to next week. But yeah, we will try and get an episode out next week before draft night that's for sure my thanks as ever shane kev craig it's been a blast thanks for joining me and to you the listeners thanks for tuning in we are signing off until next time go giants